to the show. Great to be with you today, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, and Uncle Chad in studio. It's early on a Friday morning. Getting at it early today. That's it. So thanks for listening in on the radio or on the podcast, wherever you are. Great to be with you today. Um, It's been kind of a a crazy, wonky week, but uh, we made it. We made it here to record the show, and that's all (laughs) that matters. Because next week, Deacon Adam, Conk, you're going on vacay. Yep. Getting out of the state. You're taking the whole fam, fam. Mm -hmm. pulling them out of school. Yeah. For the week. (laughs) Yeah. Technically. (laughs) Throwing them all in your white van. Yep. You got new tires on it. Had to. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know this, but there is a point where your tires are illegal to drive. I didn't didn't know that. No, I didn't know. I learned it. You got pulled over? They weren't quite there, but they were on the edge. So... But I, now to be fair, I didn't get pulled over. I wanted to check the tires before we drove all the way to Orlando, you know, as you should. But then the guy checking him was like, look, (laughs) you have to change these. (laughs) This is illegal. (laughs) Did you know you were breaking the law, man? Uh, Not quite. We're on, we're almost there. Okay. Uh, There's a scale. I forget the scale, but we were one number off on that scale uh, before we were illegal. I didn't know that. So look. PSA, everybody out there, <laughs> check your tires. One the last thing you want to do with uh, PSAs lately about vehicles. A hundred kids in your van driving to Orlando about eleven hours is, you know, have a flat tire. Yeah, that would be bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the blowout uh, situation that would be bad too. So glad we got that done and we're ready. Absolutely. All right. So Chad, uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. For real though, this one's gonna. I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it on weird. your face. Like I have no idea what he's gonna say. But <laughs> all right, so pandemic did a lot of weird things for a lot of people. Okay, yes. started there. So this guy last year named Josh. It's important. His name's important. Okay. <laughs> reached out. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So uh, he reached out to several other people with the same exact name as him. So Josh Swain was his name. Okay. On Facebook, and he said, next year. We'll all meet at this location. If your name is Josh. And we'll fight it out to see who gets to keep the name. Really? So April 24th was the date, which is last <laughs> week. <laughs> so this, 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 uh, he took a screenshot of and posted it on Twitter and it went viral, right? So a bunch of people saw it. So at, in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, a ton of Joshes, like thousand Joshes. Just showed up. Showed up with pool noodles. And <laughs> so they did like fun games to fight no, it out. They just beat each other with pool noodles. But that's silly. And then until somebody won. Won what? <laughs> the, the rest, best. Josh Swain. The right to name, be named Josh. That is really random. They're probably going to so do it next year if I had to guess. Yeah, probably so. This will be a thing. But I, I bet half people show up. If that. To be honest, though, all right, I'm not going to meet someone named Adam Conk. But if I did, I would be fired up. Would you fight him for the name? Mm, I'd want to have coffee or <laughs> beer or something. You're I'd such want, a peacemaker. I'd want to like know you, which is weird because there's no right. But I mean, t- well, you've lived your whole life being called the same thing that I've been called. Yeah, it's like That's it's like weird. a twin, yeah. kind of. Well, I mean, it's like you know, for me, Paul George, right? I've been having this name a whole life, and then about ten years ago, this famous Paul George comes on the scene, who's a basketball mm-hmm. player. And now he basically owns my name. He owns the right. I mean, and people see me, 
I'm older than like, oh, are you the Paul George? I'm like, no, I'm not. Do I look like the Paul George? Do I look like the NBA basketball player. <laughs> well, Paul, this player? story should inspire you. I think you should challenge the basketball player to a duel. And who gets the rights to this name? Yeah. Definitely shouldn't challenge him to a basketball game. No, I got to pick a sport or an activity. Activity. <laughs> Let's see who Scotch. gives the best religious talk. <laughs> yeah. I, cha- I challenge you <laughs> to the best religious talk. I don't know how you determine that, because if it's by people that show up, I think a lot of people would show up <laughs> to see true. the You're other right. Paul George <laughs> give a religious He's got talk. A point. Not what? that you wouldn't have a good crowd, Paul. But. No, I actually, I don't know if I told this story maybe 100 years ago on the podcast, but for those of new <laughs> Back listeners... Back in 1916, <laughs> when we began this show. <laughs> right. The... I actually went to speak at a conference in New York and this youth minister convinced some of her teens who were guys to come to the conference because Paul George, the basketball player, was coming. (laughs) And she wasn't lying halfway because, you know, on all the promo material was the name Paul George. And so they just didn't even think much more about it. And you've played basketball before. I have. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and so like I go to speak at this religious conference, I walk out on stage and there's, I'm no lie. There's four guys, four teenage guys on the front row with Paul George jerseys. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they came, they came, she got them to come. That was clever. Clever. Did, did they sue her? And when I walked out on stage, they introduced me to give the talk. They just looked down in such disappointment. <laughs> How did Gosh. that make you feel? It made me feel wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I felt I'm so sure they, good about I'm myself. sure they listened to every word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. It's right. lying so, okay. Okay, so many years ago, speaking of the past of the radio show and the podcast, we'll do a little uh, review over the years. <laughs> but here's one. The the show actually started as the Padre and Paul show. Myself and Father Bryce Sibley started the show, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago. More. Yeah, really. And um ten. We was it ten? Yeah. Somewhere around there. Wow. Yeah, the station was started in twenty twelve and that was in the beginning. So well, maybe not so quite nine. 10. Nine years. Yeah. So anyway, Padre and Paul show, we did it in a small office at Our Lady of Wisdom, and it, the show went bonkers. I mean, it flew off the I mean, we had so many listeners, right? It was the most listened to local <laughs> Catholic radio show. On air. On air, yeah. right? Because <laughs> sure. it was the only one. But anyway, the funniest segment of the show was Father Sibley would do this segment called Weird Catholic Stuff mm-hmm. because he's just a strange person, and he knows information about things that are just like crazy. And it was pretty funny because he would pull out this stuff. So anyway, today I wanted to bring back the segment. Weird Catholic stuff? Weird Catholic stuff. Before you do, I have to tell you something you probably don't know about weird Catholic stuff. What's that? Did he steal it from somebody? There was a certain point. Do you remember? There was a certain point where you started using a little intro to yes. weird Catholic stuff. A little jingle. A little jingle. Can do we you, find that jingle? Do you know where that came from? Did you make it? I made it. That was me. <laughs> That would be good if we could find the jingle. Gosh, that'd be hard, but I'd, I'll try. Okay. So anyway, weird Catholic stuff. So Weird um, Catholic stuff! That's what it was. <laughs> that was me. That, <laughs> you did that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we would do this segment. People loved it because Father would find some of the craziest stuff that he knew about. So mm-hmm. anyway, this week we celebrated a saint, St. Catherine of Siena. 
Yes. Right? So really yesterday was her feast day, and which is the 28th of or 29th of um, April. And so I was reading more about her and hearing some stories about her, and there is some weird Catholic stuff around St. <laughs> Catherine of Siena, who, by the way, is a doctor of the church. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So one of the stories goes as this. The, this is the weird stuff that I was kind of grossed out about. <laughs> is that, and maybe y'all can help me here, is that there was, she had encountered someone with a wound, like a, like a wound that was all pussy. Mm-hmm. And she was, dis- hate that word. she was disgusted by it and repulsed by it. But because she was she was praying like Lord, what do you want me to do? And she felt like she should just like be Christ or something to the wound and put her face in the pus of the wound and like to be like <laughs> like she put her face in in the pu- in the pussy wound. Why? Because that's what saints do, Chad. <laughs> to kiss it, you know, and that's what okay. saints that's what saints do, Chad. Oh gosh! Right. I'm not You're there not yet. a saint yet. <laughs> Neither not there yet. am I. Well, you haven't, have you you haven't had heard, that opportunity. Have you guys yet. heard the story? Mm, I've heard that one. Yeah, I haven't. No, it's weird Catholic stuff for sure. Yeah, weird Catholic stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I no, I've heard about her. You know, levitating upstairs and things like that. Yeah. So St. Catherine of Siena had like crazy mystical stuff. Um, the stigmata, right? Um, at yeah, least, it started when she was seven years old. Right. Wow. I've got a seven-year-old. <laughs> if I came home to that, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what I'd do. Yep. To the stigmata. and She just stigmata as a seven-year-old? No, but she oh. uh, she had visions okay. at seven. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Sent them to a therapist. What's going on? Right, like today we probably wouldn't believe it or whatever. She was one of 25 kids. 25 kids. That's weird Catholic stuff, too. Yeah, that is weird Catholic stuff. How do you do that? I don't I know. I guess it's possible. I honestly don't know. Okay, so <laughs> I don't I don't either. Maybe they adopted a lot. I I'm not no saying idea. that it's I – don't, I don't hate it. It's just – Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's is beautiful. it possible? Yeah. Right. Well, Adam's sort of on track <laughs> yeah. for that. I'm on pace. You're going to move from <laughs> a van to a bus. I'd have to. You would. Hey, man, people buy and, and revamp buses all the time. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So St. Catherine of Siena was like so saintly and holy, you know, that she would have these mystical experiences of Christ, right? To the point where people thought she was crazy. But now looking back and seeing the miracles through her, she's not only a saint, but a doctor of the church because of her contribution. I know we talked about that a few shows ago about what what makes you a doctor of the church, right? She's she's one. Yeah, and she's called the doctor of unity. Um so doctors of the church all have certain writings that one of the reasons we make them doctors is to say, hey, read these people, learn from them. And what's interesting about her writings is it's pretty much exclusively, uh, it's called the Dialogue of St. Catherine Siena, but it's a dialogue with Jesus. That's her writings. And she has a lot of prayers, and but um, about as intimate as you can get as far as like a writing. So don't think about an old theologian with a beard you know, pondering a certain heresy and how to argue against it. You know, we're talking about a 30, she died when she was 33. So 30-year-old woman caught up in ecstasy and then like writing down. So it's it's a different kind of doctor, you know. Wow. It's a different kind of authority. And uh, it's worth a read. If you've never read the 
dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena, you should. That's awesome. So unity refers to like union with Christ? That and the church. I mean, so she, uh, you know, she's famous for fussing at the Pope um, right, while the church was in schism. There's this anti-Pope in Rome and there was a true Pope in Avignon and then she helped bring about a resolution to that, you know. So her efforts and um, and everything, like she she is a, a figure of, unity in the church yeah for sure mm-hmm. so there's a, but there was a third pope too right somewhere around there am i wrong like a and second anti-pope yeah that's what i meant to say sounds right yeah it was yeah. in 1378 there was a great schism splitting allegiance of of christendom between two then three popes and putting even saints on opposite sides so there was a you know some wow. in, infighting uh catherine spent the last two years of her life in rome in prayer and pleading on behalf of the cause of Pope Urban um, the Sixth and the unity of the church. She offered herself as a victim for the church in its agony. So she took on a lot of the suffering of this. Uh, she died surrounded by um, uh, in her children and was canonized in 1461. Yeah, I remember, I, so funny, a little funny story, short story. I was in, I was sitting down for my graduation for college and I was sitting down, I was graduating communications and a woman was sitting next to me that was also graduating communications. And she said, she turned to me and she said, why does the church hate women? That's what she said while I'm sitting down for my graduation. And I'm like, that, all right, we're having this conversation right now. Okay. Huh. You know, whatever. And so I brought up people like St. Catherine of Siena and, and Mary, of course. Right. And I'm like, man, you know, the, I think it's pretty clear. Like, I think the church's history, the, what the church is doing, it's pretty clear that the church loves women. Like, this woman had the ear of the Pope, you know? Oh, yeah. And kings. She uh, settled disputes between uh, warring princes and kings because people saw her as a holy person who speaks for God, you know? So popes listened to her, kings listened to her, and she, again, died at the age of 33. And she wasn't even a nun. She was a third-order Dominican. She was like a layperson. I mean, she was a layperson. Right. She wasn't like a layperson. And, uh, yeah, that's what's wild. I mean, like, think about Mother Teresa and how everybody wanted to listen to her. So Catherine was just like that, except she wasn't a nun. <laughs> like, she was just a layperson. Yeah. It's wild. No, there's been some powerful women in history of the church. Right. I mean, so much so that they've had ears of the Pope mm-hmm. and presidents and kings. You know, Mother Teresa had ears of presidents. Mm-hmm. They brought unity and power to the church. And I think it highlights an important aspect of the gospel that maybe we don't think about much, but the difference between moral authority and, like, legal authority and... It's in Jesus Christ. If if you remember in the Gospels, right, when he would teach, we would hear this phrase, people liked listening to him, especially the poor, because he taught as someone with authority and not like the scribes. So this difference between those who have the legal authority to teach, like scribes, versus someone with the moral authority to teach. And this is a dynamic in our church, for sure. We respect both authorities, but there is a difference between them. You know, there's a legal authority that popes and bishops and priests and deacons and people in pastoral roles have, and then there's the moral authority of those who actually know and love Jesus Christ. Not to say that there's, you know, popes and deacons don't know and love Jesus Christ, but the goal is that they would, right? Like, we all love Jesus Christ. But those are two different authorities that people follow. And the moral authority is the one that people choose willingly to follow because they're leading them to somewhere they want to go. And that is open to everyone in the church. That's open to the small children, like Charlene Richard from right here in in Cajun land. And it's open to women. It's open to men. 
Um, the only thing that's not open to all is the legal authority to, to run the church and govern the church. But, you know, in heaven, that doesn't mean much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Mary and Jesus are king and queen in heaven. And uh, so anyway, it's an important aspect. And I think St. Catherine of Siena, I don't know how these people do this, like Mother Teresa and everything else. Pope John Paul II, get the whole world wanting to listen to them and follow them. That's an amazing thing. I know just by the model of their lives, just by their example. It's not like she's gotten up and said, hey, listen to me. You know, right? She's just loving Jesus. And she was uneducated. It's not like she went to university and like, oh, you got the degrees to listen to. She was an uneducated person. Right. That's what's wild about her dialogue. That's weird Catholic stuff too, is that she wrote in Latin and she didn't know Latin. That's crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) Goodness gracious. All right. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being a part of the show today on the podcast or on the radio, uh, Christ the King Radio 90.5 here on Acadiana. And coming up close, two weeks, I think you guys, right? I mean, you would know mm-hmm. better than me, is the Bronco Raffle. May 15th, Bronco Raffle, the drawing takes place. And, and yes, yeah, you have until then, and our tickets are going pretty fast. So anybody can purchase a ticket for the raffle. Just go to broncoraffle.com. We made it super easy. And actually, I didn't buy a ticket because I don't want to think that it's rigged, but I got one of my kids to buy the ticket. Nice. Yeah. You should get the other part of my wife. To buy a they they bought a ticket. They they took they took control and <laughs> bought a ticket. So if I win, we win this thing, man. I th- I think the other Paul George buys a lot nicer vehicles. Than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't participate in the Bronco Raffle. He might. So this goes he to might. support the show, the studio, the the ability for us to do this show for Catholic Radio to stay on. So it's really easy. It's twenty dollars for one ticket yep. to have a chance to get a twenty twenty one Bronco Raffle. Bro- Bronco, um, Ford Bronco. So just go to broncoraffle.com, right? Yeah, yeah. Your odds are pretty good. Well, and the great thing is that because of the generosity of the businesses involved, it's 100% given to Catholic Radio, everything. So every one of those dollars in that $20 ticket goes to Catholic Radio. So if you love Catholic Radio, yeah, you don't have to be local. It. You don't have to be local. You can mm-hmm. anywhere. If you can get the internet, you can buy a ticket. So. <laughs> it may be hard to ship a Bronco to like the moon, but if you're on the moon right now and you want it, we'll figure it out. We'll we have ways. Out. Tesla did it, you know, or they sent they sent our Tesla to space. So, you're right. We'll just call up the Tesla people. <laughs> um, I'm sure they'd help us out. But look, BroncoRaffle.com. Most people buy one or five tickets. I just want to put that out there. One ticket will get you the Bronco, but five tickets we'll gives get you, you much Bronco. better odds. <laughs> you have a one in two thousand <laughs> chance to win the Bronco. Which is way better than getting struck by lightning. <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and better than getting struck by lightning while driving the Bronco. Right. The chances of that yeah. are just astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> way better than winning $1,000 in the lottery, even. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the cool thing, too, is that with this event we're having to do the drawing, it's, it's shaping up to be something really awesome. So May 15th at Rock and Bowl from 1 to 4 o'clock, we have 
awesome local musicians uh, that people pack the house to see anyway. Um, Chad, yeah, tell us about uh, those musicians. Dyer County uh, is one of them. And then Gerald Grunig, who um, is also playing as well. And he's uh, exciting. He does Akita Eats, and he does Kale, he's on KLFY. Um, but he has his own Zydeco band. So a lot of folks are used to going to Rock and Bowl for awesome music. This is no exception. It'll be a great time. Um, and you can support Catholic Radio while you're there. So And win a Bronco. So. All right. So this time every year, okay, there's a holiday. And that holiday, if you're a sports fan, particularly a football fan, is the NFL draft. Now, some of you might not be interested in the NFL draft, but... You know, every team gets to draft. There's seven rounds. Last night was the first round of the draft, which means the best players are picked by the teams, you know, 32 teams, right? So the first round happened yesterday. This is, you know, and in the past on the show, we've done like a draft, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Do you all remember? Because I remember. Yes. <laughs> you remember everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've done like a Saints draft. I don't know if we've done any other drafts, but – not not the Saints football team, but like a Saints draft, like just having fun with it. Right. So anyway, the, the draft last night, you know, uh, happened. It's exciting. Whatever your team is out there, got to pick, mm-hmm. and then it'll continue the weekend. So, yeah, I'm feeling drafty. So I thought today <laughs> you get to pick on your team because you already have Saints on your team that you picked last year and the year mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. You get to add a player because we've only been through one round of the draft. You get to add one player to your team. So you can think of one saint that you want to add to your roster, right, that would round out. You know, so like if you have a quarterback, you might not need another quarterback. You need a lineman. That's right. You need a defensive player. See, it takes a team. And you already spent your money in the first round, so you got to. Right, so you got to make your team well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Like if you had all running backs, then it wouldn't matter because they would get tackled because you don't have any linemen. See, you got to have mm-hmm. a diversity of saints on your roster. Okay, okay. Okay? Yeah. So. I really don't remember who I picked last year. Oh, I remember. Who I picked? Yeah. Okay. I remember everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you repeat the one that you picked last year, I'll let you know. We'll put the buzzer sound on. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So should we start? Yes, let's start. You get to go first since you're the deacon. Well, last year I chose Mother Teresa. Did you? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like the Tom Brady choice. That's his quarter. That's his yeah, franchise right. quarterback. That's my franchise saint. And, and every... Every team has to have a franchise quarterback because if they don't, they really don't win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, But I need to round this out with uh, St. Charles Luanga. Charles Luanga. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he's a role player, not necessarily the most famous, you know. Correct. But, you know, backup tight end when your tight end gets hurt type thing or what? Well, he can, he can play a lot of positions. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, because he had to. So he was a brand new Catholic in Africa and he went through RCIA, you know. And uh, he just had to take on a bunch of missions. So he became the RCIA person. He became a catechist. He became very important in the parish life and whatever else. Um, he had to oversee a lot of youth. So he's a youth minister. Um, trying to, I mean, his, his job was a little different than yours. <laughs> he was trying to save them from being molested by the king. Okay. Uh, and that's why he died. Um, so things like that. So Charles Luanga, uh, Catholic less than a year, martyr for Christ, and yeah, he's doesn't, what a way to go. Doesn't get often get the credit. Wow! So I'm I'm going with him. You pulled out one that most people don't know, which is a lot of times. So if you think about like in football draft, right? You know all the famous people, but they're they're like you know 53 guys on the team. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't know all of them. A lot of them just 
are role players, they play positions, but you usually know the stars. The thing is, you just brought special teams player that nobody knew who's That's making right. a contribution to your team. Yeah, well, I'll go even further and say, and companions. So those boys I was talking about, yeah. the people working with him, they, they're they all martyr saints too. It's Charles Longa and companions. And companions. So we're talking about the water boy, the towel guy. <laughs> they're all in there. <laughs> the equipment manager. Okay. <laughs> whole deal. You got the whole thing. Yeah. You got one, Chad? Oh, uh, man. The first thing that came to mind was St. Joan of Arc. Okay. I thought she'd be a great running back. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Give her the ball and watch her go. <laughs> It totally. Might, I mean, it might be on fire. Right. But Right. She might have a sword. But uh, I don't think anybody's bringing her down. You know what I mean? You're right. I just, I felt confident about that. That's that's my pick. And what I like about that, Chad, is you're not afraid to add a woman to your team. You know, when we're talking about women in the church, a woman the power like of women in the church. You know, you have, um, you know, Mother Teresa oh, yeah. as your franchise, franchise quarterback. Player, yeah. You know, so... Yeah, and I mean, look, Joan of Arc, I mean, think of the soldier saint in the history of the church, and it's it's a woman. That's what's awesome about God's yeah, uh, providence. I mean, there's no other... I mean, other soldiers who became saints gave it up, like uh, St. Martin, like St. Francis of Assisi. They were soldiers. They became... Yeah, you know, they had a conversion. They gave it up. Yeah. St. Joan of Arc is like our soldier saint who kept <laughs> at it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like She went down swinging, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that's uh, what you, you got to have on your team is someone who's like tough, right? Resilient, you right. know. They're gonna get 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 back up when they get tackled, you know. Yeah, she did. They're willing to sacrifice everything for the team. That's Saint Joan of Arc. It is sacrificed everything. Feel good about that pick. Her life. If you're you on know, Chad's team, her career. You're excited. That is exciting. You got a good team. <laughs> but do you remember your your <laughs> no, first round no pick? Clue. I really don't. I mean, either. Tell. It might have been St. Thomas Aquinas. That's what I was going to guess, that you might have picked that. Yeah, I'd have put him on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Big old guy on the wall. No, he's like, he's, like uh, he's a defensive coach <laughs> of the team. <laughs> he's going to get your whole defense working. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pull one out since we did weird Catholic stuff. Okay. okay. No one's really going to know this one. Maybe you would, Adam. But um, – so to go along with weird Catholic stuff from the first segment, right? In St. Catherine of Siena, St. Ligwina. Got me there, buddy. St. <laughs> Ligwina. Okay. St. Ligwina was uh, around in 1380 in, around Holland. Okay, it was where okay. she lived. And when she was 16, she fell uh, ill after an accident and developed wounds. And the wounds of her flesh started smelling like perfume. And oh. so she would cut them off and put them in a jar, a vase. And so <laughs> so this is weird Catholic stuff. So what role on the team does she, so does her, she fulfill? Her, her flesh would fall off. Uh, even, even parts of like her intestines... Then chunks of flesh. It smelled miraculously sweet, and her parents kept them in a vase in their house. So she like in charge of merchandise for the team. Like what is she (laughs) doing? Considered her suffering as a gift from God, and eventually a following grew around her uh, decaying body. She became a saint. Uh, Pretty weird, but uh, (laughs) you know, I need someone on my team who's extremely tough, who's willing to play hurt. You're right. She is willing (laughs) to play hurt. (laughs) You know who's. 
like willing to play with injuries, and it, that's really, <laughs> really important. Oh, what's gosh. her name? Saint. You spell it L I D W I N A. Lidwina. Wow. Yep. Adam's thinking I was gonna put more names in the registry for the next kids. You know, he's running out <laughs> of names. Lidwina. Plus, if she was a running back or something like that. You know, and someone else saw like the flesh, they might like run away instead of tackling her. They might, you know, try to arm tackle her and, and her arm just falls off. <laughs> she keep, keep going. She would keep going. But I true. need I need grit on my team right now. Oh, that and, is grit. And I'm thinking, I've never heard of <laughs> never I mean you know, I need a gritty team. We're, we're sort of in a rebuilding phase. <laughs> She's I mean, rebuilding. Saint, Saint Bartholomew was flayed alive, but I think she wins. Yeah, even against him, because she would just watch her flesh fall off, and then be like, "Oh, hey, let's put it in a jar." <laughs> so it's extremely tough. So anyway, if you're out there, if you're dealing with some suffering, honestly, mm-hmm. particularly physical suffering or pain, she's a good saint to pray to for intercession. Yeah, and and you know, just like with our Lord when He was on Earth, there were a lot of things He did or said that He did not need to do or say, but He did it for us and to teach us something, like His baptism, for example, or whatever. And uh, you know, God in the history of the Church gave us this saint that I can't remember her name now, Linduina. Linduina. And I think it's just a beautiful icon of what suffering means to God. You know how sweet it is to God when we offer our sufferings to Him, and there's this perfume that rises to Him when we do it. And if yeah, if we're going through that tremendous trial or, or everything else, um, that's a beautiful message to us from heaven. Which, by the way, do you know how she got her injury? It sounds like she had several injuries. Playing football? Close. Ice skating. Ice, ice skating? Yes. She's a patron saint of ice skaters. So she's she's an athlete. Okay, so wow. let's just take it there. Wow. Like I am drafting an athlete on my team. You you got it, Paul. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. I think Jeez. you won this round of the draft. I, I, I did my research. This is, you know, this is a su- surprise move in the draft. I went up yeah. the draft board. I took someone no one thought, and you know, people are going to look back on this draft and be like, "I think he won that round." <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think you got it. Yeah, that is amazing. There was ice skating in the 1300s. Apparently, apparently, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the skates weren't real good. They were like rocks, and that was probably. <laughs> You tie a rock with a rope <laughs> to your foot. <laughs> Ice skated on her feet, her bare feet. <laughs> yeah. So, That's awesome. And obviously, you know, technology back then or medicine, doctors, you know, she developed these sores and they just kept growing the infections. And then she ended up being in bed a lot and developing more sores. But she prayed and they would fall off and smell like perfume. I don't know how that works. Goodness gracious. So. Is grit a virtue? I feel like it should be one of the virtues. Grit? Oh, yeah. It's really yeah. ultimately it's a different name. Long suffering would be the the official title. Wow, mm-hmm. creative. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot of words that can go with grit, courage. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, suffering, tenacity, tenacity, tenacity. But uh, but yeah, that virtue, long suffering, is uh, one we don't talk about often. But all the saints have it. We witness a lot of people. I mean, well, we witness all the saints just about go through it. In some way or another. What's the will- willingness to do the hard things, too? Like For not, a long time. Not not take the easy route. Right. And honestly, like I, I think grit and Christianity go together. Like you can't, you can't be a disciple of Jesus and not have grit. And honestly, like my next, like one of the next books I thought about writing was on grit. Mm. Like 
True Grit, you can call it. I was actually, <laughs> honestly, like the working title that I've kind of been playing with is called Holy Grit. Holy Grits, Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of a play on words, honestly. Holy well, And I think holy this, grit. Is, this is a, a conversation the church needs to have because in the age of risk management, where that science kind of determines a lot of our culture, <clears throat> we can risk manage ourselves out of a gritty Christianity pretty easily. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be smart in our practices as a church, but um, there is a risk to the gospel that Jesus was very upfront about, a risk to life, a risk to body, a risk to relationships. And, you know, when was the last time the average Catholic thought their faith was risky? Right. Yeah, at least not here. At least not here in America. Right. So I think there's some, something to talk about about that. You know, are we doing things right if all of us feel very safe practicing our faith? And is that the goal, that we should all feel very safe worshiping God Sunday after Sunday, you know? Well, I think we live in a culture where we grow up or we continue to make things more easy and convenient, right? Our lifestyle, everything's more convenient, easier. Technology makes life easier, convenient. Um, you know, we, we, we just live very convenient life. And we want, as we even continue to grow as a developing world, is we continue to make things more comfortable, right? Not hard. And you see this lacking in the culture, this the ability to do hard things and to stick to it, right? Long term. Mm -hmm. So most people just want to quit if work gets hard or school gets hard or marriage gets hard or your vocation gets hard. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to find something easier that doesn't take as much work or uh, grit to stick through it. And what I've found just kind of just not only in my own life, but like just in, in the work that we, we all do is this translates into the spiritual life that there's a lack of grit in the spiritual life. People just, they give up easy. They quit. They don't want to do it. It's too hard. They don't want to see it through. And that's not what Christianity is. I don't know who ever said it was going to be easy or convenient, but that's never been the case ever. And so there's this lack of real grit when it comes to living the Christian life. And it's almost when people, think that it's hard that they're doing something wrong or something like that exactly and that we and i do this too when when i have leadership roles in the church like we we kind of coddle those we lead in the church you know like we want to make sure everything's as easy and as comfortable and you know like i've communicated what you need to do for this program sufficiently so that you can say yes to it even though it should like you should be begging me to do that, right? Like, like baptize my kid or have my kid make first communion. Like, you should be willing to do whatever it takes. But we try to make it so easy and meet every need and taste. This is what we do, and you know it's something to think about because this this vice of sloth or sloth is exactly the sorrow we experience in the difficulty of following Jesus. That's what that vice is, that we are sad that it's hard to do this. And uh, it is deadly. It's one of the deadly sins. Mm, yeah, and it's, I think it's worth thinking about even how uh, the immediate thing that came to my mind is how we like tend to structure our days, you know? Um, 
I, I'm talking about myself as much as ever, other people, but like, how can I fit in the most entertainment into my day? You know, mm. and how can I like, how can I quickly and efficiently do my tasks so that I can fit in something to entertain myself, to avoid the rest of the work and all, all the other hard things. It's the reason programs like Exodus 90 even exist because we see like our lives are just about too comfortable. I mean, if we're not choosing to do difficult things regularly and choosing to like face the conflict or like whatever it is, um, it's it's easy to just sit comfortably, you know? Like you can't really build that virtue of grit or tenacity if you're not frequently choosing to do something difficult. And we need gritty Christians because they bring us God. Comfortable Christians, we're all about ourselves. People like St. Catherine of Siena, look, folks would go to her, a laywoman from all over the world, just to be close to God, so much that they assigned priests to be near her so that when people would come on pilgrimage, they would be able to hear their confessions. Hmm. Like she became a pilgrimage site as a person. A living person. A living person, right. Like not a dead one, right? (laughs) you know? And uh, why? Because she was so gritty. Her mortifications were one of the popular, popularly known things about her, like her fasting, her lack of sleep, her um, putting herself through the ringer, like her her Exodus 90, if you will, Mm -hmm. became very famous and people trusted that she spoke for God because of that. And there is something innate in us. When we know someone has put to death their own desires and passions and flesh in reality, we trust them to speak the words of God. You yeah. know? And everyone else who has a fat heart, we don't. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess that just the thought that like, man, <clears throat> maybe something's in it for them. Maybe that's why they're telling me these things. But when would you know that they have sacrificed their desires and their um and themselves? They've they've had they've died to themselves. You know that they can't be. They're not speaking for themselves. They're not speaking because they can get something out of you. It's it's the human tendency to find the easy way out. It's and it's been that way through history, right? So yeah, culturally things are more luxurious and convenient for us. But it's been that way. Jesus spoke about this when he mm-hmm. said, you know, the way to destruction, the road is is wide, right? that leads to the way of destruction, but the road leads to, to life is narrow. It's harder. It will be harder. Jesus said that, like literally, it's going to be harder, but it's better, right? And so there's this tendency, of course, to say, oh, of course I want to choose the easy, wide path that looks very convenient, um, but that's not the path that God has for us. It's, it's a road that's more narrow, that's going to refine us, it's going to make us better humans, make us better Christians, make us fall in love with Jesus more, make us love others more. But those things are hard, and we, we actually have to kind of choose the road, right? Like we have to like, you know, we have to choose the hard things sometimes, choose to pray, choose to fast, choose to love, choose, you know, to put our face in a pussy wound as St. <laughs> Catherine and Sienna did, like to do the hard things is actually um, good. It, it makes us better. Not, I'm not talking about always like this self-mortification, like, hey, look at me, but to really walk with Christ and along his path. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, 
Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening, being a part of the show and podcast or on the radio and for your purchase of the Bronco, broncoraffle.com. Get your ticket. It's good. It's exciting. It actually is, you know, it's the first time we've done this, which is really cool and exciting. There's a lot of buzz going around, um, you know, to help support Catholic radio. So it's great. So anyway, we've been through uh, weird Catholic stuff, which we brought back. We brought back the draft, the annual <laughs> draft, which, you know, a one round one. Now we could do some other rounds you know, some other days, but you know, if you I think guys, that was around three, to be fair, if you're counting the years, we've the done years, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's usually seven rounds a year, but I think that that would get a little too much. <laughs> yeah, probably so. So, you know, it's interesting <laughs> as we're talking about, you know, grit and you know the words of Jesus, following Christ, and like building just that that holy grit into our life. The Sunday's gospel, like if you were to pick a gospel reading, that would sum up discipleship or talk about what it means to be a disciple. It would be this Sunday's reading from the Gospel of John, the vine and the branches, where Jesus talks about what it means to be a disciple. I mean, a follower of him, right? And we, we see uh, in the earlier Gospels in the last couple of weeks, there was a Gospel where Jesus in, in John 6 is speaking some pretty hard words on what it means to follow him around the Eucharist and said some of his disciples left him. They left. Right. Mm -hmm. And like it, it didn't say like some people who were listening to him left. So some of his disciples left him. Right. And then, and then, you know, he looks at Peter and says, are y'all going to leave too? And then, you know, Peter's like, you know, to whom shall we go? Where else shall we go? Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. That to me, like just, that that imagery right there just shows you like th there are times where it gets hard and like some people don't want to do the hard things and he had followers who left him in that moment because they, they just didn't want to wrap their mind around that whole reality and i think that's an important message we don't often share in a typical parish setting is that you could lose your salvation not being willing to do the hard thing hmm. so it's not like there's a comfortable version of Christianity that you could choose to live, but if you want to be the extra Christian, go the extra mile, be very Catholic, you could do the hard stuff. When we say no to Jesus, we risk our salvation, even in the hard things that Jesus asks us to do. Now, sometimes this, this, is, uh, this manifests itself. Like, for example, let's say you got married outside the church because you're you know, divorced and remarried, and then you start to realize, oh, I really should get my marriage validated. But then there's a lot of hard stuff that ought to be done to make that happen. <clears throat> so that's kind of an everyday experience of that hard stuff that Jesus wants that where I could risk my salvation if I don't do this. But then it's also true that venial sin leads to mortal sin, right? And so I might say no to Jesus in some venial ways in my life that will lead me to say no in some mortal ways. That does happen. And when Jesus is asking me to do some hard stuff, the mortifications, the difficult things have the I may not be committing mortal sin by saying no today, but it, I could be, but it could be leading me down that path. It is very dangerous stuff to say no to Jesus about anything, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
So when you look at the gospel this Sunday, when the vine and the branches, it's kind of one of those readings oftentimes that uh, you just kind of like, oh, that's cool imagery. It's a cool reading. I get it. Everyone's heard the the story or the imagery or the reading or the gospel of the vine and the branches in John 15, right? But it's actually, when you study that actual reading, it, it, is, it is the one that defines discipleship. Like to have this grit to remain, and Jesus uses that. So there's some versions of Scripture that say, remain in me, remain in me. Some use the word abide in me, right? Abide, abide. Over and over and over again, Jesus is saying, you know, are you going to um, allow yourself to be pruned of all the sins in your life, like to, to take those away and remain in me, like remain in me, like over and over he, he says that. And this is... This is like the the school of discipleship in this reading, right? Because to not be a disciple is to not remain in Jesus. And to be a disciple is to remain in Jesus in a sense of remaining in relationship with him, remaining in union with him, remaining uh, in prayer, remaining in commitment, remaining in all those ways, right? In, you know, uh, in walking with Christ every day. And that's hard. It's not easy. And he he didn't say that. He he doesn't say remaining is easy, right? He says it's there's going to be pruning. I'm going to take branches. I'm going to, you know, throw those away. But he is also pretty honest uh, when he says, um, you know, he he goes on to say, um, anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. So like there's there's like sort of the warning if you don't remain in me here's the result of not remaining. Mm. You'll you'll be thrown out and you'll wither away like your life will have you, it will just have no purpose. Yeah, well that's the actual reality too though, right? I mean like if 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 God is who he says he is, if he is the creator and the life source and the thing that sustains us, then what else would happen if you separate yourself from God? Right. I mean if you separate from the thing that gives you life what happens? You die. You die forever. You know? And that's, I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like something no. I want. And you bring up a, a great point about this gospel, Chad, is that Christian discipleship is unique amongst discipleships out there, right? Like, you have disciples of people all the time, teachers, and then students, that word disciple means students, follow that teacher and they learn a way of life and they live it and all these things. But Christian discipleship is altogether different. It is the same idea. We learn from Jesus. We, but this master is also God. You know, anybody that tells you Jesus never claimed to be God, you can show them this gospel too. No, dis, no teacher ever said, "I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me, or you're going to die." <laughs> like and that's burn. not what Buddha said. You will burn. That's not what Socrates said. You know, like, yeah, or any of the rabbis or any, you know, anything that. People follow. No, like Jesus is saying, I am God here. I am the one who holds your life in being. And if you're not in me, you will die. Like it's a statement of his divinity. It's a statement of his of discipleship, but uniquely Christian discipleship. That is, I'm going to follow someone who, in whom I live and move and have my being. I'm following someone who is clo- so close to me that my life is in him, but I can choose to separate myself from him. And so discipleship is that art of saying yes to Jesus over and over, not just to read books about him and learn about him and and mold my life around him. I should do those things like every disciple, but saying yes to the one who knocks on the door of my heart every morning to say, remain in me, you know? 
that he's near me. And in the incarnation, he is so close to me all the time. And it is a funny thing that we as human beings get tired of people's presence. We do. That on our own, we don't get tired of ourselves. Some of us do, actually. But, <laughs> but no, like we get tired of being around people and we don't want to be around them. So this is a challenge. Remain with this person every moment of your life for the rest of your life. That's even more than marriage. Like that's not what we commit to in marriage, right? Like I'm going to be faithful to you, but I'm also going to have my own time sometimes. I'm going to do my own thing. Jesus is saying, be faithful to me every second of your life. Yeah, and here's the thing is that the decision in a sense of like, uh, it, it's not the burden of, of that isn't just on us because he says, remain in me as I remain in you. Yep. So like he, he, he's remain, he gives us the grace. He lives inside of us. He remains in us. So he's not like, Hey, I'll be over here. And when you want to do this, you come on over. He's like, no, I, I remain in you. So remain in me. Like, so this relationship is, 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 is both together. Right. And the word relationship, Latin relatio, you know, some people means it would translate to be like to walk side by side, but it actually translates to mean to carry the other, like, like to that type of relationship, Mm. you know? And so like, that's, that's real remaining. That's real relationship is to, is to carry, carry the other, you know, we, as Christians, as disciples, we carry Jesus everywhere we go. Right. But the the theological reality is that he's actually carrying us through mm-hmm. his grace is carrying us uh every step of the way right so the you know this this sort of self trying is is not on us it's it's grace that gives us the ability to remain in him yeah but what i mean it's intimidating yes but what an exciting invitation though to like be the disciple of the author of life itself right you know like People are disciples of people who wrote important books like Socrates or, or, you know, whatever. But the disciple of the person who literally wrote things into existence or spoke things into existence. And that's who you're learning from. Yeah. Like you're learning from the creator himself. And what's amazing is that he really does be faithful to us every day. Like he shows up. It'd be like if the greatest teacher the world ever had showed up at my house every morning and stayed till I go to bed at night, <laughs> and even watched me as I slept, which sounds creepy <laughs> with humans, but I mean mere humans. But with God, this is this is the thing. He chooses to be with me. He he chooses to remain with me, like he chooses me every second. It's amazing. I mean, the love that God has for me. <clears throat> not to say I don't aggravate him by my sins or hurt him or disappoint him, but even in the midst of that. Like John says, God proved his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we're sinners, Christ comes to me every day to remain as the vine, as I remain as the branch. And he says, whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. So, you know, he, he says, like, this is, this is how our life bears fruit, is just remaining in him. And all of us want a sense of purpose and, and meaning and to bear fruit with our life, right? Mm-hmm. And how exciting is that? Like if we remain in Christ, like our life will bear fruit. Um, and then he goes on to say, because without me, you can do nothing. I mean, very simply, right? Like without his grace, like we we just fall short. Like we can do nothing. I, that, that sounds horrible, alternative, mm-hmm. right? Uh, at least to me it does. Yeah, and you remember that parable it gave about knowing a tree by its fruit, you know? 
if we if we are cut off from him, we still produce fruit, but fruit unto death. We produce poisonous fruit. You know, like I don't know berries that well. That's one of the reasons if I get lost in the woods, I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> I have a friend named Barry. Do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul knows one Barry. <laughs> I do. You should challenge him to his name. Um, no, but like some fruit is poisonous. And you can't tell from the outside, you know, unless you know what you're looking at. And uh, we will bear fruit for the kingdom or fruit for the kingdom of darkness. Like that is the stark reality. If we remain in Jesus, we bear fruit that will remain. And if we don't, we bear the temporal fruit that will pass away that leads all to destruction. Like those are the options. You can't just be a branch not doing anything. You had a neighbor growing up who ate a mushroom that was grown in the grass because it looked like a mushroom at the store, and it almost killed her. Dang. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, she had to go to the hospital and, like, was, yeah, like, for a long time. And, like, so there was this, like, you know, urgency on the street not to eat the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be eating PSA. bad mushrooms, folks. Yeah. And, like, or how, how would I have known? First of all, like, I just, yeah, it looked like a real mushroom. It is a real mushroom. It looked like one at the store, but why would I eat it? off the ground but she did and she almost died and she didn't poisonous fruit's not good for you you know so it's true so there is fruit that looks like fruit out there but it's not necessarily the fruit that would would bear if you remained in christ right that Mm -hmm. you know so there's a lot of deception out there of the fruit and that goes all the way back to adam and eve where the enemy deceived what the fruit would do right what it could look like in their life Mm. the power the freedom that they would have if they ate of the fruit. And that's what's offered in the world. And people go for it all the time because it looks good and it looks easy and it looks great, but it's not the fruit that comes from the Lord. And that's where we have to discern, you know, in all reality. So anyway, the encouragement for us today is like to be like the saints, like to follow Christ, like the disciples to remain in him. Even if we are weird, man, um, but to have some grit, <laughs> especially for weird. you in heaven, if you're weird, and if your finger falls off, put it in a jar. Who knows? You <laughs> we'll might smell it first. You <laughs> might, you might be a saint one day. <laughs> we might need it. Give it a whiff for a relic, a reliquarium, which is a cool word, by the way. That is a cool word. Yeah. All right. So anyway, thanks for listening to the show, uh, being a part of the show. Share it on the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, uh, and thanks to KLFT Radio and. Uh, Keep buying those tickets, broncoraffle.com. Talk to you next week. God bless.